I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. We're not you for You're Puerto Rican? Yeah, you're Puerto Rican. I appreciate it if we would use the term biblical. Mucha crema, tus tacos, y se te quema el arroz. Hell yeah, mojón. Rather than just using the word before, uh, before. What's going on, mi gente? It's your boy, Jonathan Gonzalez, a.k.a. I Love My Wife, a.k.a. It's Late on the West Coast, a.k.a. I Gotta Go to Work Tomorrow, a.k.a. I am married to a Colombian woman, woman, a.k.a. my daughter is sleeping. But today we got something super dope, something super special. Uh, We got a new series, and this series is called God's Fingerprints. We totally spaced it on recording this intro, so I'm recording it by myself. But you will hear our conversation that we had interviewing Caro. So this is Caro's story. From beginning to end, who she is, how she came to faith. It's a really dope story. I hope you guys are encouraged. Like always, um, rate us and share us. And uh, here it is, God's Fingerprints, Caro Story, Part 1. So, so Caro, I have a question for you. What's up? When did you know? Oh, wait. What? Who is, who is Caro in five words? Who is Caro in five words? Dorky. Dorky. Creative. Mm-hmm. Kind. Spontaneous. Sort of. And what else? Um, complex. Mm. That's a good one. That's a good five. That's a good five. That complex was a good five. <laughs> what? Um, follow-up question to that, especially with the complex one. Mm-hmm. What, um, out of out of the five words that you described. Um, which one is the easiest one to live out and why are you so complex? I think currently the easiest one to live out has been, um, I'd say creativity just in this season right now. And creativity in the, I, I love cooking and I'm creative and so in the kitchen I use those too and so I deconstruct recipes and make them how I would like them to be and so that's where I've enjoyed my creativity mm, in, this, in this time. Dope. I want, and, and, and this is all on the record, right? So Caro cooks cre- creatively. Creatively. Yes. Love it. And um, why am I complex? <laughs> I am complex because I I am I am a, I think deeply, <laughs> I feel deeply, and those can those two sometimes 
are hard to reconcile, are hard to like work with. Mm. Um, and so I guess my complexity comes because I mm. want to understand why I feel what I feel and be able to communicate it because I am also an external processor. And so I, exter mm. I, I process my internal thoughts and emotions externally and so in order for me to communicate them and be understood I want to be able to understand how what I think and what I feel all intersect and so I feel like that sometimes makes me just complex because yeah I just think a lot and I'm I feel a lot and mm. yeah that's dope dope Damn, Caro, you got some like good self um reflections. Yeah, self reflections and self realizations. Oh, you know, man. like like you, because like you understand yourself. Like that was pretty deep. That. Damn, like <laughs> <laughs> this is like the start, but you already yeah. got deep with it. It's cool. it's dope, but it's it comes with a price. <laughs> but it it like proves right? what you were saying right now that you really do think think about and analyze yourself and you think a lot you know thoughtful. you're very thoughtful so it only makes sense that the things that you yes you know you're able to go that deep and understand and want to communicate that way so one way that i've been able to celebrate that in most re like most recently has been in the way that i've processed like my faith just because i feel like it's hard for me to just take something at face value and just be like oh yeah sure like jesus or the holy spirit i feel like with time god has and thankfully through just like i guess the church where i'm, I'm, I'm a part of like I've been taught to think and so all these thoughts and all these emotions I've been able to guide like I've had things to go to in order to guide and educate myself uh educate why I believe what I believe and under and, and see and continue to search for that in the bible in reading and all that and so I think that's something that I've been able to celebrate because before it's like I wish I didn't have to think about these things I wish I didn't have to be so like I like just have deep thoughts all the time or want to know but I've been able to appreciate the good in that um well yeah. I mean that's why that's, that's why you're on the podcast <laughs> I got a question an, another question if um when when was your first when can do you, do you remember a time when you first remember or when you first thought or when you yeah when you first thought of you know what i think there is a god like when 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 do you think god put that seed of himself in your thought processes i think the seed was got there um in a conversation that i had uh on top of a mountain in tennessee Damn. a girl yeah so wild and Tennessee it just I don't know it just happened there you know I I was mm. it was a a retreat that I went to with Miami-Dade College a community college here okay. I I applied to go I got selected to go and so I I'm there and then this girl that is like with me next to me on top of the mountain was kind of forced to go 
And mm. I'm gonna shout out Stephanie Goyaso right now because that's her and shout she's, out Stephanie. she's awesome. Um, You're awesome. Uh, so she was kind of forced to go by her boss. Like she wasn't even supposed to be in this retreat. And this is the third day that we're in, we're in, in the retreat. And I, I'm like very depressed, just not feeling like this whole retreat thing, not getting what I thought I was going to get. I was hoping to go there and just like clear my mind and like, like reach Zen. And that was not happening. I was still dealing with my internal, like just anxieties, depression. And so this girl comes out because I'm sitting outside by myself and then she starts like just talking to me eventually she like shares um she tells me like you know like the solution to all your problems that you're telling me right now is God and I was like "Mm, no that can't be because I hate him and I don't believe in him and she's like well she he, he loves you like he knows that and he loves you regardless and I was like okay and so she was like well if you have any more questions after this just know that like i'm here and i would like to answer them and i again like i'm not i don't i don't think this is like a coincidence that after that night i went to my bed in that in the cabin and i remember getting my journal in the dark and saying what the f uh is god real and deep inside yeah i was just like my gosh like this might be my only hope because i was hopeless at that point i was like so hopeless contemplating suicide and and so i went up there and i was like i just i have the the journal i'm like i have it written down just like is this is this real and if this is real this is hope and so i think that that was when he began that's when he like dropped that seed i was at the right it was the right time for me the right moment and that began everything for me so yeah that is that memory i have and it's i still feel it like i i still like could relive it that's and crazy that's wild. wild yeah man I, I could only like imagine how emotional that was oh, yeah. you know like how that experience affected you yes that was like god like dramatically calling you yes and i was still i was too prideful then to acknowledge it i was still like Mm, but deep inside i was like this might be my only hope but i don't want to like either tell her or ask her because i don't want her to think that what she told me is like like i'm buying it you know and so i held it in for some time Mm -hmm. but the seed was there because i was like i need to ask her questions (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing yeah that's amazing caro Yo, this is why I wanted to do this whole uh, series, God's Fingerprints. Because, you know, sometimes we look at our lives and, you know, this this could have been the beginning of your your journey. But sometimes, you know, these, these incidents are isolated and it, it takes for us to to step back and look at our lives and to just see this common thread, how God's yeah. sovereignty has sovereignly been working in our lives and how all this makes us who we are. And um, I thought it'd be dope to, to show the listeners 
who we are and and be encouraged by our stories, you know, for the glory of God. So I guess we could start with some pretty basic stuff. Um, those are good questions. But let's start from the beginning. Let's start, because um, that's kind of like the climax. So let's start with, you know, who are you? What's your name? Because we call you Caro, but your your full name is not Caro. Uh, so say your full name. How old are you? You know, let's 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 start from the beginning. Quién es Caro? So my full name is Carolina Neira, and then I'll add Bautic because I want to give credit to my mom. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I should. And yeah, yeah my... you should. <laughs> I am currently 27 years old. And I was born in Bogota, Colombia. Bogota. Yes, represent Bogota. Bogota. Yes, the capital. The capital. Home of, home of. What would you say is home, it home of? of? This is gonna sound bad, but it's the truth. Home of snobby people. <laughs> Dang. The people from the capital just think that they got the best Spanish and we flaunt it. Like I'm I'm guilty of that. I'm like, yes, I enunciate everything I say and I oh. am proper. She ain't basic. <laughs> That's what you're trying to say. I'm basic, yeah. Yo soy like, like the Mexicans would yeah, call Chris. us uh, fresas <laughs> and we call each we call ourselves gomelos or like cachacos. Cachacos. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So that's another AKA, you know, if I want to throw that in there. AKA La Cachaca. That's a good AKA. <laughs> Only the Colombians will understand. <laughs> and you all. <laughs> okay. So you were born in Bogota. Yes, Shout out Bogota real born. quick because my wife's from Bogota. <laughs> yeah, wow. Like Soy says, you already. Okay, so we got Carolina <laughs> Neira de Bogota, Colombia. So how did you come up here to El Norte? How'd you end up in so, Miami? Thankfully, it was through on a plane. <laughs> okay. And not a and not a balsa. Although balsa. that would have been nice and different. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't even know what that um, is. <laughs> my Cuban people will understand. Okay. Why did my? Shout out Cubans. So Cubano. we actually all came, the four of us. So it's my mom, my mo- my mom, my dad, my sister, and I. Um, the four of us were able to come together. We came because there is actually I I recently found out more about this about the reason why we came. And so my mom used to work in some company that had some affiliation with uh, the Las Farc, which are like guerrilla warfare in Colombia, and um, that put her in some some danger and put our family in some da- danger because she <laughs> she just had communication with them and the whole like company was kind of threatened by the by Las Farc and so my mom my aunt who already lived here in the US in Miami she had been telling her like hey like things are really rough in Colombia you you should mm. consider moving and so um Dang. Things just like certain things started happening in Bogota that kind of like ga- didn't give them any other option but to like leave, mm-hmm. and so I remember very clearly like maybe um, the year that we we moved to the this country, 
we I remember coming home from from school on a bus and there was like I got to the apartment and all the windows were shattered um my grandma was like um just like freaking out and apparently I had just put a bomb like by a bridge right next to our um apartment building and so that that was kind of like the last straw that after that my parents were like we could have been home and we could have all been affected by this and so they started like uh starting they they started gathering just like all this information that was needed in order for us to come and apply for political asylum mm. in the United States and so we're political refugees uh, asylees refugees yeah yeah mm-hmm. refugees wow damn what year was we this we got to this country uh february 20 2002 so the year after the twin towers yeah mm-hmm. you already kind of mentioned um what do they call again las far las farc yeah las farc mm-hmm. so if you guys watch the netflix documentary narcos the After the the narcos, there was like this the what is it like like a militia, like warrior, like soldier type guerrilla soldiers. They mm-hmm, they they are considered they're anti. I don't want to I don't want to say this wrong, and I honestly don't know much about. I just know a lot of it is like they're trying to. They're, it's like they're they're in constant conflict with the government, with the Colombian government. Yeah, so they, it's like a revolutionary movement. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. But they um kind of they they kind of became the the bad guys after the cartels because they got kind of sick of the cartels and the government, so they kind of wanted yeah. to throw the government. And just like we've been talking about earlier. No one is safe from sin. sin. They pretty much became who they were fighting against, right? Mm-hmm. They became corrupted just like the government, just like the nanicals that they were trying to fight, protect people against, um, rise up against. Yeah, it was bad. My dad was also telling me that like every day like people would like he would be he, my dad trans like his mode of transportation was like a motorcycle a lot of times there and so he was telling us like there were so many people like getting killed left and right like he would be driving down and like the police would stop people and and he would look to the side and there's like bodies just laying on the side on like the side of the road and just there was just a lot around that time there was a lot of turmoil between like the guerrilla warfare was just like very present especially in the streets of Bogota or yeah i think all throughout the country okay so god mm-hmm. sovereignly saved you guys from even being anywhere close to your house when all that happened wow yes yeah apparently from what i was told that day right after the bus took off to take us to school the bomb blew up and so what we got to see was like after like the residue of just like get investigation and just like clean up and stuff and then my grandma was just like telling us the story and but yeah it was weird <laughs> it was wild that's crazy that's so you guys came to the united states mhm on political asylum What did your dad do when he got here? Like what what was the first thing he started doing? Uh, when he so, my dad was able to get a job with 
a friend of my aunt's husband he or yeah he like hooked him up with a job i think pre us moving here they were already figuring things out and so my dad was able to i think after we we were able to get some type of like document so like a license my dad was able to start working and yeah and then my mom also got a job at like a like a store like just a retail store i think mm-hmm. mm. so you told me before that you got here when you were nine years old mm-hmm. yep you knew perfect spanish because you lived there for years you probably went to elementary school there correct <clears throat> yeah yeah i was i did up to like third grade in colombia dope so here i kind of want you to take over um kind of give us like highlights of your life specific moments that you kind of want to share with us how god has been working with you things that happened to you in your life things that made god who she is today okay so i'm now nine years old in the united states i we my aunt receives us at home so we are staying there and we are living in this home and um i'm gonna share this because this is connected to it's just who i am and that's what you asked and so i was molested by a person who lived in this house and so that's where it kind of just like all on top of the trauma of like moving to another country at, at such a young age yeah i endured like someone else's like just sinfulness <sighs> and had to deal with that and um that kind of like just shattered me from a very young age got like Thank you so much for being so open about this. Um, I know it's definitely not easy talking about everything, especially this. Um, I'm so sorry uh, that you had to go through that, that you went through that. Nobody deserves to go through stuff like that. Like, did, did that happen like right away or like right when you guys got here? Or how long did that take for, you know for for all that to go it probably on. started like towards the end of that year because he i mean if y'all are familiar with just like like sexual predators like you get groomed as a as a victim you know so they like they don't start right away because then it would be weird so he definitely like made the effort to like build a relationship with me and my sister <laughs> and he was just very nice and my parents saw him as like a brother And so they trusted him a lot. He's also a he was a police officer, and so what? He's a seemed to be like this very oh, oh man person. Mm-hmm. Dang! And in fact, actually, going back to like our first part, the part, the first part of our audio, like I think that's why it's affected me so much because now I've connected it. Like I've always, I, I've always had like a hard time with the police. Like I've always, oh always like just I, I don't see them as. Like to, helpful people never yeah, never protect. have i ever like i would never think of like calling the police for help because oh. i know that how they could abuse their power because i've been a victim of like how a, a cop can like use their power at least as a woman Damn. i mean as a child i wasn't even a woman yet uh, but so then that just that that's just 
like I said, you asked like what has made me who I am and mm-hmm. um I can now say like knowing that God is good and that we we live in a fallen world that this is just an effect of living in a fallen world and so i was affect that was like a a very like rough awakening of what that looks like for me as a child um, wow got him. yeah that, that that actually absolutely ties into everything we've been saying even in the first part of this uh with the whole like uh, social justice combo that we had the other day um how everybody is corrupted sin mm-hmm. affects everybody whether they're quote-unquote good people or not like the fall has extended to every single person and it runs so deep it runs sin and wickedness right. and depravity runs so deep yeah so moving forward that obviously just affected me i didn't i didn't say anything for a long time so this started like around age 10 wow. and i didn't speak up about it Caro, until you, i was like maybe 13 or 14 Caro, be- Caro, could, could you go closer to the mic real quick okay. sorry we we can't we can't hear you that much but um so this was happening for how, how many how many years yeah like for five years i was i didn't say anything uh at some point I found out that it was also happening to my sister. And so we would both talk about it. Um, and in the midst of these, like maybe four or five years, the way that I coped with it was through an eating disorder. And so I developed anorexia and I was basically like slowly just like starving myself. And But it all started with just like me controlling like the way I ate. And so I would, stop eating me or like I wouldn't eat rice and that just became a way for me to cope with something that I couldn't control in my that led to an eating disorder that was just like very um life-threatening and so I ended up in the hospital for about a year or so I was I think maybe 14 turning 15 wow and so 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 pretty much all your middle school years so I remember that's what it felt feels like like my seventh grade year i remember being in for like 14 days coming out for a weekend going back for like 15 days coming out for a weekend or a week and then relapsing and then going back and that was like dang so like they they had a whole year of that they had you like internada internada Mm -hmm. yes (sighs) wow like that's crazy yeah so what would happen is like i I had a counsel a therapist and then when i would talk to the therapist i'd tell her like i think they would ask me questions like they would take it as like me trying to harm myself i didn't see it like that i didn't think like i was like slowly taking my life but like that's how they would take it and so they would baker act me and baker act just means like you're posing a danger to yourself and so you need to be put in the hospital and so i was put in the hospital um because also i was malnourished and so that happened a lot and um the reason why i ended up like finally telling my parents about the abuse was because i was just like really sick one time and the psychiatrist kept on coming and asking me has someone abused you? Has someone molested you? And in my head, I'm like, why are they asking me this? Like, I don't understand. Like, do they know? 
And so one time I remember being home with my parents after leaving the hospital and we we're sitting down to eating and I don't want to eat. I'm like, I don't want to eat this. And so my parents are like almost crying. And then they ask me like, what have we done to you that you are doing this to us? And so in my head, I was like, it's not something you've done. And in my head, I'm like, it's something that was done to me. Wow. And so I, I called my sister and I was like, sister we have to tell them and so we she came and we told them and then that kind of just like helped kind of like understand like it helped them understand why what why i was going through what i was going through so my, my mom then i guess therapy for me just became more targeted to something that i had already like i had confessed to have um experienced um so then that yeah mm -hmm. ag again like when we talk about sin you know it isn't just some kind of doctrine when we talk about total depravity it isn't just some theological word or some theological category that just has spiritual implications like a category that we say okay every everybody's a sinner but it actually actually affects everything it affects the today and now it runs deep inside of everybody everything that right there is crazy 14 years old you you're an immigrant you came here you you don't know body this guy befriends you and this stuff happens to you god like did you guys ever try to um per persecute per prosecute him did you bring charges against him did did your parents like what did your parents do like how was this dealt or did he ever get fired did he ever get fired from the police department or um how was that like him being a cop and doing so this to you like what therapy happened? wasn't working for me i manipulated my way out of therapy and just it was not working and so the, the anorexia got worse and then i picked up on bulimia and so i was still just like just very sick and so I was when I when I when I came when I said what had happened to my parents, I was at such like a fragile point that um when like they tried to involve like just uh like law like the law and like an attorney and stuff like that, they were asking me to go and like speak about what had happened and um my doctors were saying that I wasn't in like an emotional state to be able to do that and so that I couldn't, I wasn't able to do that. Wow. So the way that they went about it was through like a civil, through a civil case. And, and so he, okay. this man like used his resources to prove that what we did was wrong. What would that, what, what, that what we were saying was not true. <gasps> and so, no. yeah, that's kind of like how it ended. And so the way that we went about it was like our, my, our attorney just found ways to like take uh, possessions away from him. And so the way that no. we were kind of like, that it was kind of like reconciled was through mon like a monetary way. The dude lost, like he, he like, he um stopped working at the police station before they fired him. And just like, he Whoa, knew what he, no. what he kind of like needed to do to like cover his butt. And so what if, 
I what yeah. A, what is yeah, sick? That's kind of like how it was dealt. Sick, sick individual, and and sadly, this is the narrative mm-hmm. that you hear all the time with these things. That the per- the person who's doing this damage doesn't get what he deserves. Doesn't get anything close. Money, none of that could bring anything back from what he took from you. And sadly, that's the narrative, especially with people with somebody that has power, somebody has that some authority, somebody that could play, you know, the system. Yeah. So with that, just background information, um, the the anorexia and the bulimia just like continued. I learned to manipulate it in a way to be able to still function outside of the hospital. So I no longer had to to be in the hospital. I was able to figure out how to function okay, but I was still struggling and controlling food and just struggling with that. Um, That led me to, through like high school, I was like, outwardly like you could tell that i was like i was going through stuff but i was also just very much um involved in like sports and things like that and so i used sports as another way to control like my like the way i looked physically and so that became like an uh, an escape for me um throughout this time i the person that kind of like introduced me to god as a young as a as a child which which was my grandma she passed away in the midst of all this and so i kind of just like renounced to any idea of god at this point and so i was just like going my own on my own and just like going through high school then that led me to to college so at this time were you like catholic um were you like really into cuz you said before you were um Brace Catholic. So, were you into that, or because I know that's how you yes. were introduced yes. to by with God. So, because my my grandma kind of was kind of like my mom in Colombia, because my mom worked and my dad worked, and so my grandma was who I was with the entire time. Like, I built this like really strong bond with her, and would go to church just because I always wanted to be with her, and she was the one that kind of like introduced me to the idea of God and just religion, and specifically Catholicism, and so I got. Um, like I did my first communion because I loved her so much and she wanted me to do it. And so I did it, but never really like understood, just saw it as like religion and, um, like, like God is an angry God that I need to always like confess my sins and go to the priest to like confess my sins because I, I'm always doing something wrong and God is angry. (laughs) Um, so I kind of like went after she passed away and just I continued to struggle. Like I kind of just renounced to to put that to the side. Went with my life. Um, still struggling mainly internally. Um, and things seemed kind of okay throughout high school. Um, I think I was in a relationship then. And so that helped me like get like distract myself. Then college came and my first year of college was okay Uh uh-huh oh my gosh so i took pride in like i was like a nerd and so that became that that became like another another 
like outlet like i just i studied and i read and i just wanted to be the best student ever so i anything that i can control outside of me i put my hands on so my body the way i looked school and and yeah so those two things like i i controlled very well so i became an a student i got into this like really hard like this this program in in a community college down here that is like really hard to get to i made myself i I pushed myself to go and i made sure that i was always like healthy and like active so those became like my humanistic ways to cope with like all that was going on so how was this affecting your character like were you at this point like that always like because if we if you guys know caro now she's very happy and joyful and and <laughs> she's she's a very jolly person so how did this affect your character and your out outlook of life at this time i was a mixture of like like a snob a prideful snob that but i wasn't snobby i was just very i was I've always been like a very kind person, like just very nice. And so, but at this, like during this time, I just had a lot of anger inside that I didn't know how to communicate. And so I would take it out on myself. And so because I was just always to myself, like I didn't, I wasn't like this really happy person. And so when I was really joyful, it almost felt like it was very, very forced and very like fake. And so I, if I can think back and say one word, it's like, one word about like my personality was just very very fake i had to put like this facade all the time um just to get by because i was like me being like an angry person didn't match me being like an a student and like um and so yeah it was like very much a a facade all the time But if you, if I were to like bring my sister in here and ask her and y'all were to ask her like, hey, like who was Caro at home? Like I was just angry, like didn't care about anyone and just, yeah, angry. Hmm. Yeah. So was, was being like a Catholic and you, you said you used to go regularly, right? But then. Um, you moved over here to the United States and you didn't, you know, you didn't go to church no more because your grandma died. So did you ever like doubt God or think about God in this whole thing? How was that relationship um, in the midst of all this um, stuff that you've been going through? So I would say that I was going religiously when I lived in Bogota because I would just, I lived with her and so I would go with her every Sunday. But then when we moved here, like she couldn't walk to church she had to depend on someone to take her and like no one would take her because like no one else wanted to go to church and so i would i wouldn't go as religiously with her i would just go whenever she was able to or whenever my parents would go which was usually like easter and like christmas christmas eve like service like uh mass um mm-hmm. and so yeah that's kind of like it wasn't like a really regular thing that i would do okay um so religion kind of just like was pushed to the back burner like i didn't see it benefiting me in any way like i didn't see god as someone that was like helping me cope with my with what i was going through and 
I didn't even like know how to reconcile like what I had been what I went through with like God I didn't know how where like where those connected and so I was just like I wasn't even in the mind space to be able to think about those things was part one of this two-part series Gato story this series of god's fingerprints thank you guys for listening to another episode of for crazy cultura uh part two is coming next week so you don't have to wait long the, sh- the episode's a little shorter than the usual but you will get an episode next week part two thank you so much Gato, for being so vulnerable so open to us um and so deep on this episode next week you will see Uh, And it will pick back up where she left off and you will see where she is now. And uh, it's a really dope conversation. So if you guys like us, uh, follow us on Facebook. We do Facebook Lives. Um, Give us a like on Instagram and uh, hit us up at the voicemail in the show notes below. Also, uh, check out our sponsor, Righteous Rags. If you want to have some dope apparel, go go check them out. They have a dope shirt. That's no, 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 a dope coffee mug that says theology and tacos, and it has a dope image. My homeboy Chris Marquez uh, is supporting urban church plants, specifically RCLA, Reformed Church of Los Angeles, and um, he's starting a church plant in Wilmington, California. So, if you guys like the show, want to sponsor some dope um, church planters, please go check them out. And at checkout, use the offer code CULTURA to get 10% off of your purchase so again see you guys next week for crazy cultura peace